Hello, what an exciting time to be together for this significant event. A few years uh, ago, this quote from St. John Paul II, put out into the deep, took on new meaning for me. I saw the uh, sci-fi movie Gattaca. And in the movie Gattaca, there's two brothers. The first brother is naturally born and naturally made. The second brother is genetically engineered. Genetically engineered to be the best of the best. To be better than all comers. These two brothers would compete a lot, as brothers do. And the way they would compete is they would go out into the ocean and they would swim. And the first one that would return back to the shore would lose. And as you might guess, the genetically engineered brother would win over and over and over again. Until one faithful night, when they were older and they went out and swam, the genetically engineered brother couldn't keep up. And so he started to turn back to the shore. He yells out as he's, as he's trying to struggle to swim, and he yells out, how are you able to do this? You're not supposed to be able to do this. How is it that this is possible? And the brother said, do you want to know how I'm able to do this? Yes, please tell me. I saved nothing for the swim back. I saved nothing for the swim home. For me personally, this is a personal challenge. As I think about my faith and my faith journey, it's a challenge to give all that I have to Jesus Christ. It's a challenge to give all who I am and, and what I'm about to my wife, to my kids, to those I serve, to those I lead, to save nothing for the swim home. This too can be a challenge for us as church, for those who are in ministry, to pour out ourselves in our, in, in our striving to our holiness, to, to our deeper encounter with Jesus Christ. It can be a challenge to us in ministry and in the church to pour out ourselves in service to others, to lead others to Jesus Christ. Put out into the deep. But too often, I feel like our missionary impulse is dim. Our enthusiasm, our excitement, our energy is dim. You know, one of, the, one of the statistics that just resonates with me, that keeps me up at night, is for every one Catholic that enters the church, of which I am one as a convert, six leave. So I think this is a call for us. This is a, this is in this time, in this moment, to think about these words of St. John Paul II, to put out in the deep, and as he also said, and to not be afraid. So where do we begin? Well, I, for the last two and a half years, have had the privilege of working with apostolates, parishes, and dioceses, primarily in helping them fund the work that they're doing. So we, as our Sunday visitor and our Sunday visitor institute, give out about three to four million dollars in grants every year. And over the last two years, we have been evaluating and looking at what is the biggest needs facing the church. And in doing that, I've identified a crisis in the church and a crisis, that, uh, one that maybe you're not thinking about, and it's that of innovation. Innovation. John Paul II said, the new evangelization is new in ardor, new in expression, and new in method. It is this innovation that I'm looking at, new in method. So I'm not talking about, and we're not talking about, innovation on doctrine, I became Catholic because of the beauty of the teachings of the Catholic Church. We're not talking about being innovative 
in how we do mass and liturgy. We're talking about innovation and how we reach out, how we engage a new culture, a new generation. In many ways, you can think about this as some of what the Second Vatican Council was about, right? We are church, we are missionary in nature. That is who we are as church. Church, what do you say of yourself? We are missionary in nature. And it's looking at new ways and new ways to express ourselves and new ways of implementing and drawing people to Christ, to a greater encounter with Christ, and certainly with his church. So we have identified a need within ministry in the church for innovation, for entrepreneurship, for design thinking. And we need to do it inefficiently. This is going to take some explanation. Efficiency in and of itself is a great thing. Right? When I do my dishes, I, I want to make sure there's a working dishwasher that those dishes can get done efficiently. Right? When we at our Sunday visitor, our Sunday visitor is the leading producer of offertory envelopes in the world. Over 600 million envelopes are produced in a facility in Indiana. We want to do that efficiently. Mass production makes a whole lot of sense to do it efficiently, right? It's part of our stewardship to do it efficiently, and lean principles make total sense. So when you think of efficiency, it's not bad. It's a, it's a good thing. When you think of efficiency, you think of automation, you think of scaling, and when we give out grants, we always ask the question, will this scale, right? So efficiency in and of itself is a great thing. And the Catholic Church, as the Catholic Church, efficiency in many ways is a strength, or it could be if we leveraged it well, right? We are structured in an orderly fashion. We've got a sacramental system. We have a hierarchy. We have a structure how our parishes and dioceses are organized. Leveraged well, we can deliver the message of Jesus Christ to a world like nobody's business. And you see that efficiency playing itself out in our hospital systems and our social service networks, right? The efficiency of the Catholic Church in many ways built Western civilization. Efficiency in and of itself has taken people out of poverty. But efficiency can crowd out creativity, right? If, you, if we overemphasize process, efficiency, programs, it can crowd out new, creative, innovative ideas that are so desperately needed. So you think about, if we want to be the most efficient, how do we hire people in ministry? Do we hire the people in ministry and our diocese and our parishes that are going to keep the program going, keep the process in line? Or are we hiring the most creative with a new idea that's willing to take a chance and a risk to try and who may fail and who will try again? It might not be the most efficient, but what we need now more than anything is that new idea, the new approach, the new method. It may be a little inefficient for a while. Inefficiency, when we think of inefficiency and innovation, we need to take a deep breath. And, not, and, and be more relational and personal and person-centered. And when you think about what Pope Francis is calling us to, he's not using this word, but when he's talking about accompaniment, right? He's talking about being person-centered. He's talking about let's, let's take a little uh, step outside of our efficient systems that may be marginalizing and keeping people on the peripheries. One example. I worked in a parish for eight years and did marriage preparation. 
one of the things I pride ourselves on at that parish is we would get calls time and time again for brides. And what they would say is, we have called around to all these Catholic churches and no one will marry us. Why? Because we weren't registered. I said, come on over. We'll take care of you. The opportunity to evangelize that couple was tremendous. But in many places in our community, they were not welcomed because they, weren't, they didn't fall into the structure or the process that we've established efficiently. You think of RCA programs. You're going to have to wait until it starts. Let's keep the Holy Spirit at bay while we, we structure this in a certain way that's the most efficient. So this is what I mean about thinking a little more inefficiently and more person-centered and relational and accompaniment. And I think we desperately need it. We need to be inefficient innovators now. There's a certain need for urgency. Every Advent, we think about and we talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's probably not the main focus for most people in their parishes, but it's part of Advent. What if we had a certain sense of urgency that Jesus Christ could be returning at any moment? Would you be ready? How about your family? How about your community? How about your parish? The people you serve? Are they ready if Jesus was to return? When you look at scripture, there's a certain sense of urgency. You know, there's, uh, there's scriptures that talk about the wise bridesmaids that are waiting for the bridegroom to return, and they're prepared and ready to roll. Right? When you look at the early church, there's a certain sense of urgency. Now, we as a Catholic church, we pride ourselves that of apostolic succession going all the way back to Jesus. We've been around a while. We also look at Scripture and see that, uh, you know, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So we've been around and we're going to be around. We may be smaller, but we're still going to be standing. That can lead to a little complacency, a little overconfidence, Right? in the sense that we're not as urgent because we've been here and, we're gonna, and, and it's still going to exist. But if we operated it with a mindset of urgency every day, how would that change our personal lives, our holiness? How would the confessional lines look? And what does that mean for innovation and coming up with new methods of ministry in the church? Urgency, I think, is desperately needed and very important. But urgency is not recklessness. Urgency is not lets us run into the fire. There is a sense of prayerfulness, discernment. But there's a certain sense of we need to take action when it's time. I ran a Catholic charity in Detroit for five years. There was a sense of urgency in the work the people did. I saw a difference between the work that they were doing and some of the work I was seeing at diocesan ministry levels. Why? Because people needed to eat. The way we raised money, the way we went about it, the way we strategized ideas, we get an 80% there and let's roll because people need this now. Do we have the same hunger for souls? Do we have the same desire to know that people are hungry and needing more than food? And we need to deliver and we need to do it now. Infinite mindset. As a uh, Protestant and a campus ministry, there was a campus director by the name of Roger Hershey, and he, what he did is one day he gave a talk and he put a timeline out, 
And he said, at the, at the start of the timeline, of course, is God, who always is and always will be, who is above time, right? And that created the time. And then at the end of the timeline is eternity. And then he put a really little dot on there and said, this is you. And he said, do you want to live for the dot or do you want to live for eternity? Simon Sinek came out with a book called The Infinite Game. And in the book, he talks about this idea of the infinite game versus the finite game. The finite game is like you would, you would know. It's chess. It's football. There's a clearly defined end. There's winners and losers. There's me versus you. Infinite game, there's no winners and losers. You play to keep playing. He is using an analogy. He's using this to talk about how business is, should be in the infinite game. And I read this book and I thought, this is the church. If anyone should get in, in the infinite mindset, an infinite game, it's the Catholic church. Right? They say, we, we know that in all this innovation and ministry is not dependent upon us, it's dependent upon another. We are ambassadors of Christ. We have to live not for this world, but for the next. But too often, a lack of an infinite mindset can lead to a scarcity mindset. Scarcity mindset lacks hope, trust, faith. Scarcity mindset believes we lack resources. As a person that gives out grants, I see this all the time within the church, a scarcity mindset. We don't want to work with them because they might take our donor. We don't want to work with them, they might take our idea. We don't want to work together, so you, collaboration breaks down. There's a certain sense of pride in the scarcity mindset instead of this idea of a growth mindset. And I think if we were to refocus ourselves on the infinite, on the divine, on the work of the Holy Spirit, active and working in the church, in our diocese, in our parishes, and within us, we're not the ones in control. God provides and will provide. So we need to have an eternal perspective. We need to think uh, we're going to innovate inefficiently, and we're going to do it now but we're going to know who's ultimately doing the work. And it's got to lead to a growth mindset and not a scarcity one. Impact. Why do we do what we do? We do it for impact. We want to, not only do we do what we do because it impacts us. If we give faith away, our faith grows. If we give love away, love grows. So we have, it's an impact upon us. But ultimately what we want to ask is, is what we are doing in ministry, in outreach, having a transformational impact on others? Are they having a deep abiding encounter with Jesus Christ? Is what we're doing producing fruit? And would we know if it is or is not? Are we measuring and looking and saying, hey, what we're doing is not working. Let's do something different. This idea of impact, believe it or not, I think is a new thing in the Catholic Church to start thinking about how do we measure impact? How do we look at impact? How do we know if what we're doing is working? I think as a church, we're doing a whole lot of things, but no one can tell me, is it actually working? Again, keep an infinite mindset. Understand that this isn't, this isn't necessarily all, it's not about us. But in a certain sense, we've got to be honest and say, this isn't working, let's try something new and feel the freedom to take that chance and that risk. We want to have a transformational impact in the lives we serve. These are the things for OSV of why we decided we want to partner with ODB and the many partners that were talked about 
and be a catalyst for greater innovation in the church. We are so grateful for the speakers that we have found who get what we're talking about here, that are passionate, excited, experts, that are going to help us start a dialogue and a conversation. I am also thankful for all of you, for you who are here, for you who are watching us or hearing us and hearing these talks. My prayer for all of us is that we would have the aha moments, that we would be inspired from the OSV Innovation Talks to dream bigger, to put out in the deep, and to not be afraid. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.